Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is episode 302. All the cool kids are going to Substack. I'm Brian. I'm Daryl. And uh, this week, we're obviously talking about the comic book industry shakeup that happened over the last few days. Um, about and something that two days ago I knew nothing about. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually been following this for a little while, so uh, I was I was pretty excited to see all of this going on. And then we have an update on Gina Carano. We're going to talk about Gina, what... Gina! 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 <laughs> we're going to talk about What If, Season 1, Episode 1. Uh, Soups and Lolo is back, so there's news on that. And... Uh, yeah, obviously, then the, the whole comic book industry thing. But before we get into that, a follow-up on the ScarJo thing. Daryl, I don't know if you saw, but she's been blacklisted from Disney. They canceled her, her movie, her next so, movie yeah, that we're going to do. Yeah, I saw that. And it, when I first saw it, I, I it, you know, again, it was one of those things that people, they were, people were hearing about it, but they weren't sure if it was true. Mm-hmm. And... Then I, I did, I think think it was yesterday I read that, or sometime last night I read something about her, like that movie she was doing is canceled. And yeah, the, the, the Mouse House does not like people, you know, breaking rank and challenging them. No, I mean, I mean, come on. It, it's like, I mean, we're never going to get anything from Disney. So I feel comfortable saying this. I mean, they're, they're a bunch of greedy bastards. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I've told people before. Don't, and don't get me wrong. I love a lot of the stuff Disney puts out. I know you do. I was, you are a Disney And, and I was telling somebody that, like, I, th- I was telling, I don't know if I was telling Justice or somebody else, where it's like, look, I love what Disney, some some of the stuff Disney puts out, but they're run by terrible people. Terrible. Like, people. terrible. Not That's, just terrible. Chuck would say terrible. Look, you can be a terrible business person, which, again, in in ways as far as they relate to fans, they are. But then it's a difference being a terrible business person and a terrible person. Right. And the way these people act, they're terrible people. Yeah, I, I'm very comfortable saying that. One, 100. Most of the time when, when, when Disney does something, all I can think of is our good friend Greta. How dare you? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, is, it literally is what it is. She made this decision. Um, she, she feels like she's owed something through contractual obligation, she's doing the right thing and letting it play out in court. Um, to go along with this, I don't know if you saw, Gerard Butler is actually suing the company that did um, um, Olympus Has Fallen, the first one, mm-hmm. saying that they under, uh, that they the accounting underreported the numbers and he was supposedly supposedly owed like an additional like $30 million and he's suing for 10, right? He's like, no, you guys messed up, you lied. You know, this is what I feel like this is worth, you know, 10 million, whatever. So, and that's just for the first film. And they're making a fourth one of those. And I know I, I was watching, I think it maybe if Clownfish TV or someone along the lines, they said, yeah, this is not something that this is not a unique circumstance. You see people do this, and it just depends at times if it gets out after they've resolved the issue or it gets out, you know, well, when what, it first starts. What's new? Is the fact that this was a movie that was put on hold three times, ultimately came out on the fourth try, and uh, fourth time's a charm. It went out also on a streaming service at the same time, which is just, this is uncharted territory. So for however these contracts are worked out, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, <clears throat> I, I, well, one, it's not gonna, 
it's not going to affect anything else coming out this year, including Dune. But I think looking at mid 2022 on, there there will be a lot of lot of different contracts written up for for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'm interested. Again, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say again. It puts me in mind of uh, the the hubbub back in the day. This is dating myself. The whole Napster thing, mm-hmm. where you're it's a different type of media or a different type of way to service the fans. And granted, Napster is a little bit different considering you know the you know the artists weren't getting royalties. But in this case, like Scarjo, she's basically saying, "Look, I lost royalties because yeah. of." a different way of doing things that we have not experimented with. And it was not in my contract. Yeah. So. Like where's Lars Ulrich being a douche about this? Yeah. Like talking about how much she's owed. She's owed. She did her stuff. You stole it online. <laughs> Put out a whole album worth buying. Then you bastards. Anyway. <laughs> Metallica is no Fozzie. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So anyway, I think that's a that's a good enough introduction to this week's episode for our uh, our level of perturbedness that we're at this week. <laughs> Actually, I think we're in a pretty good mood. I- I'm in a good mood at yeah. least. Well, from an entertainment perspective, sure, absolutely. I'll just put it that way. Yep. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> Gina Carano. Uh, as Gina, you said, Gina, Gina. So we finally got the update. Um, we've all been waiting for about what she's going to do next and what she's doing with the Daily Wire. Yeah. So yeah. Again, we've known that, you know they've had this partnership for months. Well, we we knew from day one, considering you know she was on the Ben Shapiro show. She put something on social media. It, it was it was great for fans of you know, Gina Carano again. And we're on the ground floor with Gina. We a lot of people got hip to Gina, you know, maybe from Haywire. A lot of people got hip to her from The Mandalorian. But we were in it before she was even in any. Yeah, of that. I mean, we were so. we were we were on the the Gina Carano bus when she was a kickboxer before she was even in MMA. Yeah. So so. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's not like a flex. That's not like, oh, you know, y'all no. are. No, everyone who's into Gina is into her because she's infectious. She's amazing. Yes. And I firmly believe there's nothing she can't actually do with a little bit of time, effort, and training. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, and this, and, and I know you'll read from a little bit from the article, but this project seems like this is, not only is it up her alley from the sense of, so there's going to be some physicality in it, but there's another aspect of that where it looks like it's going to be pushing her acting limits as right. far as you know what we've seen from her. And it's going to make her force her to grow, which she's the type of person just following her on social media, following her career. Mm-hmm. She's one of those people that relishes in being pushed to grow. So I'm very excited for this. I'm very excited for her. Yep. I am excited to see what the Daily Wire can do because, again, it's one of those things where, yes, you're an alternative source, but you still have to tell good stories. You right. still have to bring, you know, bring your stuff to the table. And while Run and, Hide Fight wasn't great, it's freaking enjoyable. And I'm I'm actually kind of bummed they haven't put it out to buy yet. Right. You know, it, it's yeah. not on any of the streamers to buy. 
um, or I guess like, you know, services, iTunes, Amazon, Vimeo, or uh, Voodoo. But all right, so this is an exclusive article that uh, came from Deadline just the other day. It says, Gina Carano will have her revenge. In her first project since The Mandalorian, we can reveal that the actress, we, Deadline, uh, can reveal that the actress is set to star as a traumatized woman who hires a long hauler to track down an infamous serial killer. Um, an infamous, infamous serial killer, not Daryl Jasper. <laughs> um, it says here, the hitcher in Near Dark scribe Eric Red has written the script for the untitled action thriller, which is based on his novel, White Knuckle. The story follows a strong-willed woman who survives an attempt by a serial killer trucker, White Knuckle. So that's the serial killer's name. Um, haunted by her encounter and the cop's inability to catch her tormentor, she partners with the trucker to end the killer's reign of terror. It says here, Caruno is uh, Caruno, Caruno is producing. Oh, by the way, words are hard. Is producing and will star in the movie, which is said to be in the vein of Duel, Breakdown, and True Grit. Filming will take place in Tennessee, Utah, and Montana, beginning in October 2022 or 2021. Um, did you ever see Breakdown with Kurt is, Russell? Who's, yeah, yeah, I did Dude, see that. That movie is fantastic. If it if it's like half as good as this. Or if this is half as good as Breakdown, like I'm all in. Like I remember going to see that in the, in the, uh, in the movie theater, and then like when it was available at Blockbuster, like renting it like four or five times. So I was kind of disappointed they didn't talk about they didn't mention Joyride just because I wanted to do <laughs> Candy Cane, Candy Cane, Joyride, <laughs> but is like an yeah. intensely weird movie, um, because it's hard to buy Steve Zahn and. Paul Walker as brothers. <laughs> uh anyway. Yeah. So I you know, I mean, I, I think this is this is interesting. I it, it says here the Daily Wire told tells deadline it will be they will release the movie exclusively in the US to its members while also making the movie available worldwide. So yeah, I, and, and it did say it's they're looking for a Q1 2020 to release i mean this movie this is probably well. gonna have i mean i doubt it's gonna have a ton of special effects right it's gonna be very much yeah. in the vein of, of run hide fight it's probably gonna be a three to six million dollar budget it's gonna probably take them about i would guess under 30 days to film and then into post-production and editing yeah that's that's fair so again, I mean, this is a this is an independent movie. This is this is what we need more of in in the U.S. is independent movies. Now, what we need a little less of is the bifurcation of it's exclusive to this platform and only this platform. I would love it if the Daily Wire said it's going to be exclusive to the Daily Wire for sixty days, and then we're going to release it for purchase on iTunes, Amazon, Voodoo. I yeah, I think something like that would only help. Not just the get their movies more of an audience, but also maybe get exposure to you know just what they're doing as right. a whole. Well, and I mean, I understand the play is to get more subscribers to their service, but right now their service is opinion news and right wing commentary, right wing right wing to centerist commentary on 
the the political state in America. Mm-hmm. That's not for everybody. There's a lot of people who are like, I just want to watch the damn movie, right? Um. So I yeah I just it's interesting. I, I I'm really interested to see see where it goes and 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 what they do with it. Yeah, because like you said, and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we talk about the whole Substack thing. Giving us a break or a different avenue to take from the mainstream that has dominated entertainment in the specific sectors is what we need as you know content you know as as consumers because over the last several years we've seen it that yes we're we're still getting good stuff don't get me wrong but there's more and more of the bland vanilla you know copy and paste rinse and repeat type product well yeah when it's all reboots yes you know. and 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 then there's stuff where it's and you can tell and then this is more in the, in the comics what we'll talk about is as far as not being listened to as consumers and being fed stuff that we don't want so and and that's and that, that goes back to the point once again i think they can do a better job and i know they're I know they are, you know, just there. This is just in their infancy. This is their their second project, so right. they're gonna they they are they're learning. So hopefully, as they go forward, they'll say, "Hey, to the idea you did, let's yeah, let's make this, you know, exclusive content for sixty, ninety, whatever it is, sixty days. That's that's a pretty good, nice round number, and then, you know, expand it out. And what happens is, if you have a good product, people will see that and say, "Hey." This Daily Wire is pretty good. And yeah, I know you're looking for subscriptions, but you now that you're doing this entertainment wing, you're gonna you 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 have to think a little bit away from the Daily Wire as what you're what you're promoting as far as a news source. And and maybe hey, maybe hey, they have a tier membership tier for their other entertainment content for people who don't want to consume right. yeah. the political aspect. I, I also think to to partner with that is just they also need to put out more, more stuff faster. I mean, it's yes. been it's yes. been eight months ish, six six to eight months since Run Hide Fight. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they do that too because I, I like what they did with that movie. Again, Gina, a huge Gina fan over here. Yeah, uh, wish oh, her, yep. uh, hope nothing but the best for her, and I like that the partnership. But yeah, I want more stuff from them. All right, so let's talk about what if. What if what? I mean, I mean, that's the question. What if it's you know? What if Marvel was still good? What if? <laughs> what if they treated their stars with respect and uh, <laughs> financial gain? Uh, you know, I'm kidding. Uh, all right, so what if is is an animated series? It's based on the what if comics that have been coming out for, for decades from Marvel where it kind of takes and, and, and does like, what if this happened instead of, you know, like what changed? Uh, this opening salvo is what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Um, it was directed by Brian Andrews, written by AC Bradley, came out Wednesday, August 11th. Uh, and the summary is, during World War II, Steve Rogers is initially chosen to be the world's first super soldier. Before he can receive the super soldier serum, 
Hydra spy Kruger intervenes and shoots Rogers and Chester Phillips. Peggy Carter shoots Kruger and volunteers to receive the serum herself. That is all right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That's pick enough this, right I'm, there. No, no, hold on, hold on. Uh, she's six, she is successfully enhanced, but John Flynn bans her from combat, secretly receiving equipment from Howard Stark. Carter steals the Tesseract from Hydra and is then promoted to the combat role as Captain Carter. All right. First off, she does not volunteer. <laughs> she's just like, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, uh, and they're like, no, don't. And she's like, I don't care. I'm just gonna do it. Um, so yeah. And I, I, I actually, as far as what if goes, you know, it's one of those comics that I would read here and there. It's mm-hmm. never, it was never one of those that I read a lot, but I, again, I'm, I'm one of those that I'd like the concept of when done right. Because one of the things you said about, you know, just the idea of what if, and the idea of time travel and stuff like that, it can be lazy. I've liked what they've done with, because I liken this to the mirror world in Star Trek. Uh, and, and again, the first original Star Trek, they've done it in the next generation. And again, sometimes it can be a dead horse, you know, it's that whole dead horse thing. Like, come on, move. I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the animation was really good. I liked the story. I liked the changes, you know. The little nods to to what actually happened in in history or lore of the characters. Yeah, and and I thought you know they a lot of the voice casting was the same, but then they had some other uh, some newbies that you know because Chris Evans is not returning, and whoever I forgot the 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 actor who played him, the the skinny Steve Rogers. I I I thought he did fine. I love the action, and you know a, a couple of things I've seen on videos is talking about. Oh, they made her more powerful than Captain America. It's like, look, this is animation. You can do stuff in animation that, you know, a lot easier than you can do in movies. Of course, they're going to take advantage of that. Yeah. And also kind of to not apologize for it, but a little bit like she was also a trained like agent who had been yes. through some form of British military uh you know, training. And yeah, right. Steve Rogers was a skinny kid who was always getting beaten up before. Just a kid you know. from Brooklyn. So, right. So she, and, and she was always more forth, not forthcoming. Um, Just always a little more aggressive about getting things done than, than Steve mm-hmm. was. Uh, and by the way, it was Josh Keaton who was the voice of uh, Skinny Steve Rogers, as they have it. <laughs> I like how they put that Skinny Steve Rogers, right? Um, if you if you guys recognize that voice, he was um, the voice of Shiro in Voltron. Oh, great! Legendary Defender, and he was uh, he was in Ben Ten. He's been Tony Stark in the v- he was Tony Stark in the VR game uh, for PlayStation. Oh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a prolific, you know, career as a, as a voice actor. So anyway, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I liked it. I thought it was funny that, um, Steve was kind of her pet or, or her Baymax, (laughs) if you will, in the Hydra Stomper. Um, but I, I liked that they kept the whole relationship because like 
she always made it very obvious. Peggy always made it very obvious. She loves Steve for who he was before he got the serum, right? Yes. Um, and that ne- that didn't change because what we didn't see in this is Steve went through all of that training, everything that led up to him going into the capsule for Project Rebirth happened. So she was yes. in love with him before. They they made it to uh, the Brooklyn or, or wherever whatever basement they were in um, to do that. So yeah, I don't know. I like that she got the tesseract. I like that like because like it the, the the thing that made the change was she decided to stay on the on the you know the floor instead of going up to the booth. Right. And so by doing that, she was able to save more people. And keep the uh, the serum intact from the guy running away with it. Um, so yeah, I, I just I liked it because if you're gonna change it, like start the change small, like the you know a butterfly farts in Hong Kong, a uh, blade of grass breaks off in Hawaii, and you know the v- v- volcano beneath Yellowstone erupts and you know. Tears yeah. up half what was that? There was a movie that actually that did that. The butterfly effect. No, not that movie. <laughs> it was a sound of thunder. Oh, where these they did time travel for in, into the past as kind of like a, a Disney expedition, and they say you have to stay on this path. And one of the your participants steps off the path and steps on something, and it's like this cataclysmic change in the future huh. of. It wasn't that great of a movie, but I love the concept and I actually really like the book itself. So, so anyway, yeah. So, I mean, so by, by doing that and changing things so greatly the way they did, like, that's great. That's, that's, it's a different telling. Now, uh, Engadget had an article saying, um, the headline Marvel's what if a fun diversion, but not required viewing. It's really just an excuse to go back and watch the films written by uh, Kay Nottis. Uh, I guess that's how you say her name. Uh, it says here, Marvel has often been taken to task for poor pacing of its shows. The Netflix programs were always said to be padded out, which is 100% true. Uh, with yes. more installments than they really needed per season, the Disney Plus era has given us shows with fewer episodes, but it hasn't deterred complaints from about slow pacing. Correct. Uh, what if premiered this week on the service with a different problem? It's frantic and rushed like a podcast episode played at 1.5 times speed. <laughs> uh, you know, I I can't argue with that opening paragraph, right? Because it is. I mean, it's so fast with what happens, even though, like, you, you, you have to know, like, months pass in between, like, each kind of right. major event. I will say it was a little weird that the actual, like, screen runtime was a little longer than like any of the TV shows pilots <laughs> or well, I guess yeah, I'm going to rephrase that of the good TV shows like the Mandalorian. It was longer than the Mandalorian pilot by like three or four minutes. Yeah. Right. And I was thinking this was going to be like an 18, 20 minute, but I, I, I like that even though it, it did feel that that's one of my notes, it felt yeah. a little bit rushed. And again, they're t- retelling a, a two hour movie or an hour and 50 minute movie in 30 minutes or less. Yeah. So I, I understand that, but overall I thought they did a solid job of 
mm-hmm. making those changes. I like some of the Easter eggs that they Easter egg throwaway lines. Like Bucky's like, you almost tore my arm off yeah. or we don't have all day things like little things. And I know there's stuff I've only watched it once. So I know there's stuff I've missed. I like dumb dumb when he was like, when did dames fight like this today? <laughs> they fight <Yeah>. like this <laughs> starting today. Um, so here's another part she has here. It says, Beside, despite being owned by one of the most famous animation studios in the world, Marvel went with third-party animators. It's a cell sh- it's a cell-shaded style, which is more often used in video games, and here looks a lot like retro uh, rotoscoping. It's the, I actually thought it was rotoscoping. Uh, it's sort of stiff and awkward with more attention paid to making characters look like they're actors instead of being more fluid and expressive, which I think is true. It's a shame Mm -hmm. given that Disney's 2012 short film Paper Man, which is my favorite Disney short, animated short of all time, utilized hybrid 2D, 3D style, which looks similar to this, but with a lot more personality. And I 100% (laughs) agree with that, that last, those last two sentences. I, I think this this struggled from pacing and the animation did feel like like you were well, i forget the video game you were talking about at um fretboard but it, it looked stiff right um mm-hmm. and and do you remember paper man i never i don't know if i've seen that it's where the the guy meets the woman on the train and they're like it's in like 1930s new york or something like that era 40s maybe and and they go back to their offices and and she is in an office like interviewing for something literally across the street from him and they're both like in a high rise right so uh he's throwing a pa- paper airplanes to try and get her attention and he never I don't does. think I've seen that and so there's like dozens of paper airplanes littered on the ground and so he gets fired and he goes outside and the paper airplanes become sentient and eventually bring him to her bring them together um and it's just really sweet i love it and i love the animation and there's not a word said like because anytime someone talks it's like whoa, 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 whoa. um but i think if, if if the animation would have had a little more style like that it, it, it definitely would have like solved her problems and some of mine now um future episodes are going to deal with uh T'Challa becoming Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill. Tony Stark getting saved by Killmonger, which will be interesting. Um, And she says here, and I I actually agree with this, Captain Carter is still a solid start, um, but a good concept can't overcome animation and pacing issues, even though I'm more forgiving of the animation than she is. Actually, the pacing is is right. Yeah, the the pacing is the thing that is my biggest gripe about this. The animation I had, I, for the most part, I wasn't a huge fan of Peggy's character design, especially in the face and some of the, and not just her, but you know, some of the others, as far as the facial expressions, they had, it did have a little trouble with that, but as far as the action goes, I thought the animation was perfect for it. Mm -hmm. And again, I, you know, I, my animation style is very, just like comic book art styles, very, but I, I, that was what, I thought actually where the animation what made me like it more. Yeah, I thought where the animation succeeded most was her with the shield doing the hand to hand combat. Yes. I think that was I think that that's probably what they put the most effort into. Um the other thing that I liked about this is she never actually had a one on one conference state one on one confrontation with the Red Skull. 
Yeah. She comes into the room and he gets crushed by calamari. <laughs> uh, it, it was Chitulu. That's who it was. Well, I, yeah. Well, no, that's not what it was. <laughs> but, um, and, and what was with Bucky with all the fish references? I, I'm not sure. Okay. So, I, and again, I, that that might be something if I go back to, I'm like, oh, I get it. I mean, or there not. was there was just a lot, and I was like, oh, like yeah. when we watched it last night uh, as a family, it was kind of like, what, what's what's with all the the fish references <laughs> there, Buck? Um, so so yeah, that's that's just one of the things. So all right, let's uh, real quick out of five, um, Union Jack Shields. What do you give it? I give it a three. I give it a three and a half. I thought, again, a bit rushed. I thought it, it was a good start. I initially, and this is one of my worries, I'll talk about this real quick, is using this and funneling these characters into the live action. I actually, I would much rather this be its own. I won't say self-contained because I know they're doing the multiverse, and that's fine. But just keep this as is. I, I would love this to be its own thing and you know, for multiple seasons. Where yes, you can you can you know pick and choose at how you know this affect this affects the the whole MCU, but let's not try to do these backdoor you, character. You, you swaps. don't want them to do the backdoor MCU where it's all uh, female Avengers in Ant Man. No, uh, no, <laughs> I, I don't want. I just leave this as is again because Marvel has you know DC has done very well for the most part. In their animations uh, products, oh, Marvel absolutely. not so much. I can't wait. I think for this could... Long Halloween to hit uh, Max. Yeah, is, is part one up? No, neither one of them. I'm, they're both out to buy. Okay, so I imagine it'll be like so. November. Yeah, I, it'll, I, I, hopefully I just... it'll be right around Halloween that they put both of them up. Oh, that would be perfect. Then. So, yeah, so keep it as is, and I, again, a good start. I'm looking forward to what they have next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's like Leonidas said, it's a good start. <laughs> What'd you give it? Uh, oh, uh, I, I'm right there with you. Three and a half out of five. Um, I thought about a three, but I thought that was a little too harsh. I think a four would be too forgiving. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a pilot. I, I think, you know, if, if this is as bad as it gets... And that's by no means calling this bad. Please understand that. But I mean, if this is as bad as it gets, we're 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 in for for at least something more fun than Sylvie and Virtue Signal and the neutered soldier. <sighs> yeah, I like these better, infinitely better than those premieres. Did you think they defeminized her a little bit too much? Yes, that was that's what I meant the about the, okay. I was the, I was the just, character design. I wasn't yeah. sure if that's what you meant because. Um, I, I did, I did like, I like the way they did her hair, but I hated the way they did Bucky's hair. Yeah, I didn't like Bucky's hair at all. So, and Steve's hair was easy. I mean, it looked like the CG version of Steve from Captain America: The First <laughs> Avenger. So, alrighty. Um, so our show's back for another week. <sighs> yeah. All right, so just because this is something we talk about, uh, episode 13 had 800,000, like, you know, uh, 800, almost 840,000 viewers. It had a 0.15 share in the demo, 
and both of those numbers were down respectively 4% and almost 17%. So far for this one, which is 30 days after the last one, it had a 0.10 in the demo, which is the lowest it's done in the demo. So it went from a 0.37 with the pilot to a 0.10. We'll get to that. And it had 750,000 and change viewers, uh, which is down 9% from the previous episode, which is less than half of the pilot. <laughs> and let's be honest, it's not because the the story and the narrative is bad. No, this is actually, so I, I think if we compare this to when it first went on hiatus um, and came back with, uh, where was it? Um, so when it was from March 23rd until, and then it didn't come back until May 18th. So that one had a 0.13 in the demo and 718,000. So it didn't drop off as much with viewers, and none of these numbers are final yet. They won't be final until probably next week. So it might go up a little bit. It might go down a little bit. I don't know. I think these are probably as close as they can get, and I know you guys want to hear us talk about it, but I think this is important. Um, Warner Brothers, CW, whoever you want to say, I feel is actively sabotaging this show with the way they let it air, considering it started in February and then it turned into a mostly summer show. So when the, the first break they had that hiatus, after I think after, was it week five? Uh, yes. Or after episode five, I thought that, and I was like, okay, that sounds really conspiracy theorist, Daryl. And then it happened again. And then this happened. And after it happened the second time, even before this one, I that's what I, I think we talked about it too. I don't know if it was on air or off, but this is an absolute purposeful way. And, and I don't get it. And it's it because, you know, this is a show that is about what we always talk about wanting a good, solid narrative, telling a story, not preaching to us. This show actually putting, has a hero. Yeah. Let's just put it not, that way. Yeah. Not talking about you know any you know dumb pol- political perspective from the sense of woke politics identity politics mm-hmm. you have characters you have women that are strong you have you know a black character that's very strong mm-hmm. you have a hero that is strong you have teenagers who even though they're teenagers you know they don't act like a lot of these teens do on these CW shows they have teenagers that and, don't want to throw off a bridge Correct. So you have all these good positive things. Yeah. And yet it's as if because it's not following the woke narrative of some of these other shows or many of these other shows where they want to go, they don't it's almost it's not almost like it's they like you said, they're actively trying to tank the viewership so what they can bring on new writers to like the writer they fired. Cause I'll tell you what, if that writer was on there and she got her way, this show wouldn't be what it is now, right yeah. now. You know, I mean, not even close. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. It's still like if you look at the averages, including the first because the first five episodes all averaged over a million viewers. On the CW. Um, So far, it's season averages is a little over a million, which is great. Um, Like when it came back, it got all the way back up to nine hundred and sixty one thousand viewers. 
in that demo, it averages a 2.0, which is actually really good um, for a CW show. But they put it on hiatus this time because they don't want to go against the Olympics. And I feel like that was a bonehead move because people were watching anything but the Olympics. Yeah, that was really um, dumb. I did not – like, I, I love the Olympics. And I when I watched the, the Olympics this year, I was watching clips on YouTube. I was not yes. – I refused to tune into the broadcast. Um, and if I could find clips from other countries where I didn't have to listen to the American announcers, I did that as well. Yeah, I watched – the only reason I actually watched the Olympics last week was because I was with my dad and – you know, we were figuring out stuff to watch yeah. and, you know, we watched more of the track and field mm-hmm. stuff, the sprinting and all that good stuff. But yeah, if it wasn't, if I wasn't over, if I wasn't with him, I wouldn't have watched a second of the Olympics. Right. Absolutely. And that's, I've never done that. So, all right. So there, there's, you know, this is kind of where we are with the show going into the last episode. Um, I had thought I read that the last two episodes were going to be directed by Tom Cavanaugh. Um, Unless next week is a, a two parter, like two hours. Oh, don't 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 give me hope. I, I haven't seen anything about that though, so I don't give like, me hope. Yeah, please, I'm, I'm not. I, but like Tom Cavanaugh is definitely directing next week's episode. Um, but it does not say if it's a you know longer because I thought it said he was directing the last two, so I don't know. Um. <laughs> All right. I sound like Hawkeye there. Don't give me hope. Don't don't give me hope. Anyway, so this episode is The Eradicator, directed by Alexandra Alexandra LaRoche, directed or I'm sorry, written, directed by Alexandra LaRoche and written by Max Cunningham and Brent Fletcher. Um Brent Fletcher wrote the episode 11, A Brief Reminiscence in Between Cataclysmic Events, which is my favorite title for a show of all time, um, which was directed by Gregory Smith. Um, Max Cunningham has not written any episodes so far. Alexandra LaRoche directed episode 12, Through the Valley of Death, when Diggle showed up. That was uh, um, when, when Clark fought off Zod in his head. So we're dealing with like an A team of creators here, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so in this episode, it's a uh, Smallville businesses struggle while residents grow angry with the DOD presence in town. Chrissy gets an offer to sell the Gazette while the Cushings make plans to move out of town after Kyle gets a job offer in Bristol County. Uh, Sam tries to calm the residents of the town in a hall. Uh, calm the residents at a town hall meeting but fails when he's forced to dodge sharon powell's questions about derek's death that what that was a throwback it took me a second to remember who she was yeah. uh after being informed that tal Rowe has broken lar out of the dod facility superman and irons they should just start calling him steel confront tal Rowe yeah. and lar in metropolis where tal Rowe uses his new powers to create four new subjects with a k out of the crowd and unleashes them on the city. When Superman and Irons are able to apprehend Lar and the four subjects, Talro manages to escape. Meanwhile, Sam picks up the twins and Sarah from a party to take them to safety. They are attacked by Talro, who kidnaps Jordan and implants Zeta Rose consciousness into him. This was a 
great episode. I was so mad I had to wait five weeks to watch this. Yeah, I, it's one of the things we talk about, and again, we'll get more into the plot. But uh, what I love about this show with the characters is no one feels like an afterthought. They really, and, and we've talked about Eric Daldiz as Kyle, yep. that he really could have been an afterthought. Now, the, there are characters that aren't as strong, like um, Sarah's daughter, younger sister. Yeah, but she she was out a couple. But that that's fine. You you have some of the students that are you know kind of like just more like set pieces. That's fine. But the characters that they, they give story to, even Chrissy in this episode, which I mean she's probably my least favorite character, she gets something to do, and then she gets that point where she's got to sell the gazette she's thinking of selling the gazette to a you know conglomerate and lois is like what are you doing and she says look i'll be i'll be underwater in a month so you get her perspective from this you get a perspective of you know general lane getting pissed at lois because she's you know he's trying to do his best for you know the citizens but also he has that secondary where he's looking out for his family and lois kind of questions his motives and it pisses him off like it rightfully should. And she feels, you know, she instantly feels regret for doing that. So that's the thing I talk about with the narrative and the story beyond the narrative in the story is that every character, all these characters feel like these writers took the time and didn't just say, okay, we're going to do this. Cause how often do you see characters just like, we could have done without this character. This character could have been the lines could have been given to someone else, or they could have taken this character out, taken these scenes out and focused on this. We see that all the time. And this show does such a good job with every scene and every character and most, and most, most character interactions where you can feel these characters as 3d real live people, right. Who, you know, have their own faults and have their own, you know, have also have you know their strengths yep and that's that's just good writing it really is that's just good writing it's a it's a it's a well-written show it's a well-produced show um titans came out this week i actually might do a video about that um this weekend uh for youtube because i watched Mm -hmm. all three episodes unless we want to talk about it next week and figure that out after we're done recording here but like the production value on this show on the cw Versus the production value on a show on, you know, Warner Brothers flagship streaming program is just night and day different. <laughs> it sounds bad saying it like this, but I, I watched the first 15 minutes of episode one of Titans. And again, we've seen I've seen the first two seasons. Titans, there are times it feels like someone's backyard project. Yeah, it's 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 shot on like iPhone sixes. <laughs> and it's why why how how is the cw doing a better job yeah i'm not sure so I, I, again, all right, but, all right. yeah. so this episode like here's what i liked about this episode um taro is gone he's the eradicator which is you know one of the names of the superman who replaced clark after the death of superman uh but the eradicator is also the codex of all kryptonian dna which is now him which is what Clark was in Man of Steel. Like, right? I I just kind of right. like those parallels. Lar is a very interesting character because she's essentially, well, I mean, she is full Kryptonian. 
right? She is not whoever she was before. She's Leslie. She's Lar. Um, and she's actually a pretty interesting character, even though she's constantly getting her butt kicked. Uh, the relationship between John and, and John Henry Irons is great. The way Lois and Clark were dealing with the boys at the beginning of the episode about like Jordan wanting to go and be alone with Sarah at her parents' house when there's no adults there and Jordan like not wanting to be the chaperone for it was great. Jonathan. Jonathan. Sorry, what'd I say? And all Jordan. Oh, and yeah. also how Jonathan I love where he says, Look, you all can't have it both ways when he's talking about you know, partnering with John Henry Irons and oh, learning yeah. how to make weapons. Yeah. It's like, you can't have it both ways. You want us to be prepared. Yep. That's what I'm trying to do. And Clark's like, dude, you're making too much sense. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's <was, laughs> uh, still my favorite part of the show is, is the dad Clark Kent, which we've never seen yes. before, especially of two boys, let alone just John in, in the comics. Right. And, and I also like the, just Clark in general, where, as when low when they go to see General Lane and General Lane is ticked off at the articles like they're saying we're ho- basically holding this town hostage and Clark is like yeah that was a little bit overboard and then Lois gives him this look and he just puts his hands up like hey I just call it like I see it he's like hey I'm just making too much sense here <laughs> yeah. um I mean this is this this is a as far as penultimate episodes go got that one in uh <laughs> This is just great setup. I can't wait until, you know, it's next Tuesday, but like for us, for me, at least next Wednesday to watch the extended version on the CW app, which you said there was no extended. Yeah, I couldn't. There there was nothing that I saw that was extended in this one. Yeah. I mean, this show is officially renewed on March 2nd. We don't know when it's coming back yet, but um, all 15 episodes were or 14 of the 15 episodes have been have been great. Yeah, so. and I really hope that next year they do what you you've said multiple times as far as using HBO Max as a better way to propel this into people's homes. Yep. Because again, the CW, I mean, we know about the CW. CW app, but yeah, yeah, you can, or just, but there's is such a wider, broader base I think that would get this show and say, and again, who knows? They might do this. In a couple months, they might we might see it on there, and I will definitely watch it again if it is. Let's be honest. I'm, well, I'm I gonna, mean, I'm going to do everything I can do to support this show. During the first hiatus, they put it on on Max, and I watched, I rewatched all five episodes. Um, yeah. So I, I, and then the end. Well, what? Hold on. The fight in Metropolis was was really great because Clark did his best to not cause collateral damage. Did you notice that? Yes. When, like the one time when he was with the one subject and they were flying through the building and they were going to literally fly through that guy, A-Train style, and Clark moved out of the way. And then when they threw, flew through the building, he moved them again to yes. to miss everybody and just break a couple windows. Yeah, I, that was yeah, I like that. that that's a super detail. tiny detail, but it was it was really, really good. Um, And yeah, I just I don't know. I think. uh I just really like everything about this. Like I can't like gush about it enough. Yeah. And, and I love yeah. how they. I was going to say, I love how they, speaking of the metropolis fight, how they did that parallel with Lois reporting the news as, you know, 
you know, shit gets real in the background yep. and it, that parallel to her dying. And then of course they see it on TV and Jonathan's like, this is how she dies. Right. And right. it's funny because you said this to me and then I was watching a reaction from blind wave. They said, they were like, they're not going to kill her. Are they? I are they? they? I thought they, they might. Do that. I thought they might actually kill her. I really, and did. I think I was like, no, I told you, no, I didn't think that. And I, I, there was a split second that where I thought the same thing where I was like, okay, this is getting eerie. They're I not going to do this. Like, are I kind of like welled up a little bit. Like, oh my God, they're going to kill her and they're going to leave Clark alone with these two boys who are going to be angry that history repeated itself on this earth in a, you know, in a different manner. Uh, but yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was so good. Yeah, and then I, the I, end, absolutely. The yes. end. Oh my God. When, when, he, when, when the eradicator comes and kidnaps Jordan and we're like, what are, what is he going to do with him? And you have to think like Jordan is the closest thing to Clark on the planet as far as being a Kryptonian. Um, yeah. I, I I'm I'm surprised. I almost think they should he should have taken Jonathan. Um instead of Jordan. Yeah, I I don't I, and again, this we will probably see why next week why you know they went that route, but I I think that would have been very interesting. And added just a whole new dynamic to things if Jonathan was the one that was taken. Well, and like, what would Jordan do having to fight Jonathan, right? Or Jonathan's right. body at the very least. Um, yeah. And is this going to be the end of of Jordan Kent? Like, we we know he's mentally fragile in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. So I, I just I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm I'm super stoked. Um, yeah, and for this. I'm pretty sure that unless he gets powers or something, I don't. Jordan ain't playing. Uh, Jonathan's not going to be playing football for some time. That's the second time he's hurt his arm. Yeah, his, this his was his non-throwing arm this time, though. Was was he a lefty? No, he broke his left arm this time. No, it's his right arm. arm. Oh no, then he broke. Yeah, this. So this is okay. So this is his. Uh, yeah, this is his throwing arm that he hurt finally. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> anyway, but um, all right. So out of five. Kidnap Super Sons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, I feel like a broken record. I'm giving this a four and a half out of five. Uh, I mean, I honestly could give this a five just from the sense of there wasn't really anything I didn't like about this episode. I, again, I went over everything. Like even a character that I'm not a big fan of and Chrissy had a very good scene with Lois and she, you know, she did a reporter's job when she was trying to yep. grill General Lane. Yep. I, I like what seeing with, you know, Lana and Kyle and them trying to figure out where they're going in life. As far as, you know, this, not only did the town reject them and, you know, just, just do them dirty, but also <laughs> the town is, is crumbling right now. Right. And seeing that you know, they, they're going to have issues, not with, you know, with each other, because it looks like they've come together, but, you know, with, Sarah wanting to have a relationship with Jordan and then, but that's put on hold. I mean, I just love this episode. Yeah. I, I, I almost want to give it a five. Just it's not my favorite episode. There's been a couple episodes that I like more than this. And I gave those like a four and a half too, probably, but it's just the consistency of this show 
to continually deliver a strong story, strong narrative, good special effects, Mm -hmm. just everything, Uh, good directing, just production value, all of this stuff, acting. Uh, Yeah. I I love this show. I, I, yeah, I, like I said, I'd love the only other show that makes me smile like this, like it within the last year that I watched was Cobra Kai. And so I, again, four and a half, I'm just going to keep it at four and a half. And I am stoked for next week's finale. Well, bittersweet as well, because yeah, we're going to, it's not going to be on for a while. So I'm right there with you at a four and a half for literally all the same reasons. All right. So just because we brought it up, Nadra Tucker was the writer we were talking about who was fired from the show. Um, She, we had talked about, we talked about this months ago, but she claimed it was for pushing back on what she deemed as racist and sexist storylines and for wanting to change the race of the Kents to, uh, to be people of color. But it's also now saying that she claims she worked on all 15 episodes of the first season, but was only paid for 13 of them. Um, and WBTV complained that they did not exercise the option to extend her contract for additional episodes and that they were transparent and told her why they had not picked up her option. Uh, I, I just like after reading that, like, I'm so happy she wasn't a part of this show. Oh, absolutely. So, but here's the thing when it comes to a writer's room, not everything you write makes it to TV. Like, you're in a room like, you know, anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> enough said about that. All right. Let's talk about comics. Your wheelhouse. Um, so I'm not going to say it's an apocalypse that hit the comic book industry this week, but, uh, you have one, two, three, four, five, five to 10 somewhere between there because we're not going to cover everybody uh writers who are leaving <laughs> the big two and and heading off to substack um to to make comic books doing a subscription model there kind of like patreon i th- like so stub substack if you don't know is a platform that has, has typically been used for writers to this point um you have writers who are like um like prolific journal journalists like Ben Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and Barry Weiss who have left you know organizations due to many many things and have decided that um they're going to go out on their own and, and and do this and be supported by the people who who read their stuff um Substack is doing that now and they've pulled in these comic book creators for a sweetheart deal. Um, so these people are brought in. They're getting paid for a certain amount of time. They're getting insurance. They are going to be able to keep all of their you know membership fees and stuff like that. And they're going to get to create the type of books that they want to create and own all the IPs. Now, part of this is you know they want if I if I'm one of these guys. I want to make as much money as I can off of this stuff, but what I really want is to write really good stories that are essentially Netflix series pitches. And then I get to keep the money for the IP instead of 
Warner Brothers or Disney saying, well, these are our properties. It doesn't matter that you created it, um, like Ed Brubaker, for creating Winter Soldier. He said he made like 10 times more by having a cameo in Falcon or Falcon in Captain America Winter Soldier than he did for creating the character of the Winter Soldier, which they used in the movie. That is so man. So and none of this is without its controversy. So so we'll get into that. But so we're talking Scott Snyder. Um, his Substack is called Best Jacket Press. He also has a deal with um, Amazon in Comicsology and Dark Horse, where he's got uh, I think five books that he's going to be putting out with the likes of Raphael Albuquerque, Greg, Greg Capullo, uh, Francesco French's. Savilla, uh Jamal Engel, Jock, uh, Tula Lota, and Francis uh, Manipal. Oh, and Don Pen- Penison. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, links to all of this is in the show as I butchered these names. But so for just with Snyder, for example, so for uh, <laughs> for Comicsology, he's got a book called We Have Demons. Um, Barnstormers, The Book of Evil, <laughs> Canary, Clear, Duck and Cover, Dudley Dotson and the Forever Machine, which I'm actually kind of excited for, Night of the Ghoul. <laughs> I mean, like, right there. He's got an entire line of books that are going to be on Comixology uh, and Dark Horse exclusives right i mean and it's all stuff he owns it's all creator owned um when it comes to best jacket press uh he's you know you can go and listen now he's talking about what what he's going to be doing um and 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 what he's going to be doing with substack and with best jacket press and, and bringing in other writers to help so as far as as the guys we're talking about go the people who I think are in the best position when it comes to Snyder, Scotty Young, James Tynion, Jonathan Hickman, and Zadarsky, I think Snyder and Scotty Young are in the two to be most successful in this sort of thing. Um, one, because Snyder already has artists coming with him. Two, Scotty Young is a writer slash artist. Most people know him as an artist. James Tynion's going to have to find artists for his stuff. Uh, Hickman is going to not only have to find artists for his stuff, but I think he's brought some writers with him. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but he's going to have to find artists, and Zadarsky's going to have to find artists. But Zadarsky, from what I understand, is really easy to work with, so I don't think he's going to have trouble. Uh, and I'm talking really, really fast, but I'm sorry. I'm super excited. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Scotty Young's is called Stupid Fresh Mess. Um, and again, links to all these substacks are are in the uh, in the show notes. James Tiny is the Empire of the Tiny Onion, which I, I love. Jonathan Hickman is Three Worlds, Three Moons, which is actually like it, I'll get to. I'm, I'm going to skip that. Uh, and then Chip Zdarsky is Chip. It's Chip Zdarsky's newsletter. Okay, um, but going back to Hickman, this is this is something different. Like he's starting his own universe here, right? Right, yeah. And and so um 
and, and I want you guys to all go to these Substacks. You can subscribe for free to get access to their email list and their newsletter and like the posts that they put up there. I highly recommend doing that for right now because nobody's putting anything out yet. And the problem is, is they're all asking 70 to $80 a year to, to subscribe to their, to their sub stacks. Now um, they all have this founding member, $250 a year tier where you get a bunch of other stuff. But to me, I don't know if it's worth it. Um, but only because they they just haven't put everything out yet for for what it what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, this is exciting. So Substack, there, there's a whole bunch of people. Um, the YouTube channel, it's uh, Comics with Ya Boy Zach, um, and I forget the guy's real name. Uh, he writes indie comics. He's part of the All Caps family with Ethan uh, Van Skyver. Where he's got like four ninety nine knife hand blind spot something like that. Um, uh, he's got like four books out, but like so he and Ethan do this model of crowdfunding where they they put out new volumes and you back them and you get them and you get all the different rewards. Like Ethan just did the um, the Cyber Frog action figures, which I did not do because I'm not a Cyber Frogs fan. Um, I feel like what they're going to try and do here with Substack is sh- is shake it up and kind of follow the manga model a little bit and put out individual issues. Um, I guess, sorry, put out parts of individual stories digitally and then collect it all and put it out in a trade paperback every like quarter. Mm-hmm. I I think if that's the way they go, they're going to have a hard time getting like, old school comic book fans who are like, I need, I need my, my, my book slabbed and raw. I need it. I need it ready to go. I want to, I want to grab it. I want to hold it. Whereas like, um, like you're all digital, right? As far as comics or do you actually yeah, go buy yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll every now and then I'll go and I'll get a, a trade of something that I, that I liked or sure. a graphic novel, but yeah, mostly I'm all digital. Yeah. So I'm like 50, I'm actually probably closer to 60, 40 digital at this point. Um, so like for me, it's not going to be a big deal. Like I actually like reading on my iPad cause I can have, you know, my whole comic library at my fingertips. My big problem again is the bifurcation because there's not like a master stub stack like page for all of this where I can like, subscribe to all of them and then go and like have them in one spot. At least if there is, I don't know how to get there. So someone wants to educate me and send uh shoot, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook about that. That would be welcome and enlightening. Um, but yeah, I, I also don't know if I want to pay like $70 a year with, you know, Tiny and Hickman, Zdarsky, Young, and Snyder, at the very least, plus having to subscribe to Comixology Unlimited, which you can do from our site for get 30 days free um, for 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 Snyder's Comixology deal. But yeah, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I understand I spend way more than $70 a month on James Tiny and or $70 a year on James Tiny and uh, you know, I was kind of hoping Zadarsky was going to stick around at Marvel and take over Amazing Spider-Man, but that's not going to happen. 
Um, oh, Nick Spencer. He's the other one. He doesn't have his setup yet. That's why it's not linked in here. Um, but yeah, so I, they have to show me a lot more before I'm ready to put my dollars behind it. Yeah. And my initial thoughts, again, when you said you to- told me about this, I'm like, what's up, Stack? So I did, you know, my due diligence with the notes that you, you know, with the links that you put together. And I read most through most of them. Like I read through all of Hickman's and he was the first one. And I I read through some of Tinyans and Sadarsky and and I don't and a couple and one of the other ones, I don't remember which one. But and my initial thoughts was this is good news for fans and creators alike, potentially. And one of the things that Hickman even says, and I, I think this for the creators themselves, they're not pigeonholed into telling the same format right. for every story. And that's and that was one of the things Hickman actually points out. It's like we're locked into a static storytelling format based entirely on exist on an existing economic model. And he also talked about the lack of surprises because you know what's coming out. And he says, I want the comics the content of comics to be like it is now where you can tell huge sweeping stories mm-hmm. uh, that are serialized and the art styles are varied and sophisticated, but I want the experience of comics to be like it used to be with the surprise and all, you know, all this stuff. But there was another one. Somebody else did mention the the ability to tell varied stories, uh, stories of varying lengths as well. And like, whether it be a one shot, whether it be, Hey, I want this, you know, this graph, this one to be 60 pages of, or, you know, just throwing out there instead of like the 24 pages for 12 issues, you know, things are going to be up and down. And again, like you said, they need to show more than more than what they have. And again, this is, again, all of this is early in the process. I don't know how before these, this announcement did, were there any other comic book, you know, creators on this platform before, you know, the last, because I, I when I looked at some of their posts, you know, they started no, July twenty I mean, seventh or something Nick like that. Nick Spencer was the the first one announced, and he's okay. going to be the first one on sometime in the fall. Um, okay, which I think he's working on all of that now because his run on Spider Man is ending. So like Tinyan okay. will be with DC through next April, so he finishes up uh, his run on Batman in November. And then he finishes his run on Joker, which is a highly, highly underrated book. I recommend I recommend Joker by James Tinian um, in in April of 2022. Um, Snyder's already off doing his own thing. Zdarsky's wrapping up with Marvel. Hickman is wrapping up with Marvel. And Scotty Young is, you know, he's actually going to bring back uh, I Hate Fairyland, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was kind of a messed up book. To, to to be honest, um, like Zdarsky wrote this book called Sex Criminals, um, yes, it was the people who had like different powers based on you know different weird kink, um, so I loved it. It was a great book, um, but no, I mean I'm super I'm super excited to to see this, and I I just I want to see I want to see where it goes right. Um, so like Snyder. If you want to subscribe, it's seventy five dollars annually or seven dollars a month. Hickman, it's uh, eighty dollars annually or eight dollars a month, and then he has a founding member, two hundred and fifty dollars a year. Um, 
Tinyin, same thing, $75 a year or $7 a month if you're monthly or a founding membership for $250 a year, uh, which Scotty Young at? Let's see. Uh, Scotty Young is $75 and $7 a month. And then he has a boss level uh, for $300 a year. But if you click on that boss level, it's like you can change the price. Like you can change it to like two hundred dollars a year. Hmm. So I don't I don't know if that's like a mistake. There's a part of me that wants to go in and like be like, okay, I'll do a hundred dollars a year. Um, but he gives the like like, you know, I don't know. He the I hate Fairyland has a built in audience. So I think that's why it's easy for him. And then let's see what Zdarsky at. Um Zdarsky's seventy and, and seven with the he calls it chip nuts for two hundred and fifty dollars a year. I might I might subscribe to chip chip nuts just for to be a chip nut. Uh, it says here his everything is uh, everything plus exclusive video hangouts and two copies of rare image variants and remarks and more. So you know I I I'm interested because like Tiny and already announced he's leaving Twitter um, because of all this. Yeah, uh, which and, I think is really interesting, and I'm proud of him for doing that. Everyone should leave t- Twitter. He's going I, to have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say I really liked his post about social media. Um, I don't know much about him again, but his post about social media and how it's it's almost like this dystopian, uh, <laughs> this dystopian landscape, and how yeah you know, these these algorithms yeah yeah. yeah or the algorithm is, you know, tuned to make you be on social media and, you know, fight and whatever. And it's just, again, we, we've talked about this oftentimes on and off air about the, the, the foils of social media, which it does offer good things. Let's, let's, uh, Hey, you know, Substack. I mean, it's, I mean, Substack's not necessarily social media in the Mm -hmm. sense of Facebook and Twitter, but, it is that type of path of getting out to people that you wouldn't necessarily get out to in a easier, in such an easy way. But again, going back to what's going on here, one of the other things I was talking, I, I mentioned in my notes is there's good, there's that creative freedom. I think these, you know, these creators are going to have that they, they can't have with, with the properties of DC and Marvel, but also it, they're going to have to, Make sure that they're and one of the things you said about Hickman is about getting things out. So that with this subscription model, fans have a direct access to showing how they can be heard. Yeah. Because if you if you're say if you have a thousand subscriptions in one month and then yours drops down two hundred subscriptions, there's you know there's something going on and it's more it's a more of an immediate. Uh, bell to ring to say, hey, you know, we got to pick it up or yep. what have you. Absolutely. Uh, all right. The last one that I forgot was Saladin Ahmed, who he was, uh, he wrote on Miles Morales Spider Man, um, you know, and he's written about some other stuff, but he hasn't, like, he's not the same pedigree as the other people we're talking about, but he's still, a, he's still a name and he deserves to be added to this list. Um, and his is, called copper bottle and he's six dollars a month and sixty dollars a year 
um and he he's doing weekly drops of creator owned comics plus uh post about the process of, of how he does this and then artist interviews so i don't know uh the other thing is if you go to stubstack.com uh, i figured it out <laughs> On the main page, you can click comics as the uh, the topic that you want to see, and then you can go in and, and see all of the the people creating comics on Substack right now. It is not many, so <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. I I'm I am excited for this just because of the idea of of these these creators being able to you know offer so many different avenues. You know, as, and again. It's still early stages, but the initial thoughts of mine in reading through these through some of their sub stacks is okay. I'm getting kind of excited about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this. I, I honestly do think that this is going to be a good thing eventually. It might not be a good thing at the start, and you know, it might kind of blow up in some of their faces a little bit, which I hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. What I do hope for though is this just makes comics you know better again and yeah i i think i think this is is it's well it's well worth your time i i'm hoping it's going to be well worth your money yeah so <laughs> i don't know i i've been i've been kind of like digging deep into this uh all week i'm uh i'm a fan on some level of all of these all of these writers and uh, I, I, I want to see what kind of quality they can put out because I've backed plenty of comic books on Indiegogo and on Kickstarter. And, you know, um, they're, they've all been varying degrees of success. Um, I, there hasn't been anything that I've hated. There's been a lot more that I, I you know, wouldn't pick up again and I definitely wouldn't back again. But like, um, like Metal Shark Bro was a great one. I really enjoyed that. The um, I think it's called the North Valley Grimoires by Blake Northcott. That was a really good one. There was one called the Sullivan Sluggers, which was okay. Um, the worst part about that was I had to wait like a year and a half before I got it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think that takes that this takes that part out of it, right? It, it's gonna be they're going to have to keep to a schedule. Oh, absolutely. And if you're interested, you can sign up for Substack and, and you know, create your own comics and things like that. And if you do, let us know because we want to talk to you. Um, I love indie comics. I, I think indie comics, like indie wrestling, I think indie comics is, is grossly underserved and needs to have more uh, coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's on on us for we need to seek more of that out and and, and shine no, a light absolutely. on that. Um, but if 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 you guys anyone who's listening if they know someone I mean we've had plenty of indie people on. Um, I think you know Brandon Montclair is the only like big two writer we've talked to. Um, but like I love having the indie guys on. So, all right, uh, I'm rambling. This is a good thing. This is a good thing for comics. This is um, this is going to to test how adoption of digital has come, 
And if people are willing to wait every few months or however long it is to get the the collection or the trade or the graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, this is a really interesting experiment. I'm excited. 10 out of 10 would try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And again, it just kind of, this is a perfect end cap because we started off, you know, after the ScarJo news, we started off talking about Gina Carano and the idea of having, you know, entertainment options away from, you know, the mainstream. And this is, this is what this is. And again, we, like you said, if, if you're wanting this stuff like this, you have to mobilize. You have to go seek it out. Mm-hmm. You have to take chances and say, hey, I'm going to put my dollars here. It might not work out, but I can't just complain about you know what you know DC and Marvel are doing and not do something about it. So this again, I, I, I like what I like the idea of this, and I hope this really turns into something. Yeah. I yeah, I agree. Um, if I had to just say based on, okay, so Nick Spencer hasn't posted anything yet. Um, I like Nick Spencer. He's a Cincinnati guy. Uh, so there's, there's a little bias there. If, if you're gonna say, okay, of these six guys, I can only pick two. Scott Snyder is going to be probably the most, um, accessible as far as it comes to like what you would expect from a normal comic uh, company. I think Zdarsky and Scotty Young are going to be the farthest out there. I think Tinian is probably going to be the one who surprises you the most with the variety of things that he can write. And for me, the uh, well, Saladin Ahmed, I don't like, I mean, he, I haven't read enough of his work to know. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of his Miles Morales run. Uh, and then Hickman is the wild card because it's going to be can Hickman keep up? And is it Hickman keeping up or is it a team that Hickman puts together and he's like the editorial oversight? Um, but if you had to pick two, I would say put your money behind to start, put your money behind Scott Snyder and James Tinian. And if you had a third one in there, I'd say Zadarsky. Um, Scotty Young isn't going to be exclusive, but you know, I, I, I think as far as enjoyment of, of, of a cross section of books, you can't go wrong with the three of them. Yeah, that's, that's solid. And again, some of them, that's I know yeah. other ones, not, that's not as probably much. what I'm going to do. I'm going to back the three of them. And like Snyder for me, I have a weird relationship with, uh, Scott Snyder's books. I liked his early run on Batman, but I would find like I would really be enjoying it. And then as I closed the book, I'd kind of forget like it existed. You know what I mean? Uh, but then I met him at the Comic Expo and he was really, really nice um, and like seemed very fan, fan friendly. Uh, but I don't know. Oh, OK. The other thing is the um, the controversy, right? <laughs> Behind Substack. Because there's like because Substack lets anybody come on and write, there is the inevitable. This is a let's racist A or bigot B or you know SJWC right on this platform. 
the Substack is not a social network. Think of Substack more like Patreon, more like um, Subscribestar, things like that, where you you are backing people that you like. And the beauty of it is, if you don't want to look at like the Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss politics stuff, you don't ever have to. That's the cool thing about this program. When you're on James Tinian's page, you're on James Tinian's page. You're not seeing, you know, look what, you know, the president of the United States did or look what's happening in the Middle East. You're just on this page. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, it's again, it's, you know, showing what you like by putting your dollars down. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Uh, and again, like I said, Snyder, Tinian, Zdarsky, you can't go wrong with one or all three of them. Um, and I mean, $70 a year is, is a pretty good deal. I mean, that, that works out to be, what, five-something a month? Yeah, I one of, I, I don't remember which one who said it. It was like $70 is a lot, but if you think about it, it's $5 a month, which, okay, that's not that bad, but which is so-and-so a week, which is, if you break it down to like 25 cents a day, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I spend, let's see, uh, like $15 a month on Tinyin right now. So it's a discount for me. Because <laughs> I get three I get three of his books and they're all about five bucks. Um, you know, I get, I, I mean, I've been buying X-Men books for well, most of uh, some of the uh, couple of the X-Men books with Hickman. But I mean, like when he was writing powers of uh, or house of X and, and powers of X, I was buying all of that. Plus I was buying all of the X-Men books at that time. So, and I'm, I'm always buying stuff from Zdarsky. So I, I, I enjoy chip greatly. All right. Uh, wow. We rambled. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> what do you mean? We white man. Hey, that's racist. <laughs> how dare you? Wait, hold on. How dare you? There we go. <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you uh, check out the website and all that fun stuff. If you're interested in in following what Scott Snyder is going to do on Comixology, it's through Comixology Unlimited. Go to the podcast site. Uh, or just go to infamouspodcast.com slash comicsology and you can sign up to get 30 days free of Comicsology Unlimited, which is access to, you know, thousands of comics. It's it's well worth it. It's well, well worth it. So is that what you do? Well, I, I, there's a couple things I do. Okay. So you, you don't sail the seven seas, do you? Uh, sometimes <gasps> it, it depends. How dare you? Wait, yeah. hold on. It's one of those, How it's one of those where I, <laughs> I'll check it out and it's like, okay, if I really like this series, I'll get it. But yeah, cool. I, I don't know. Like I, if it's something I really like, I like to get the, you know, the trade. I, I do have a thing about, you know, getting comics, yeah. you know, in the flesh. Yes. Speaking of comics in the flesh, uh, I just want to say thank you to Bruno, Bruno Redondo for drawing Nightwing as well as he does and for putting his stuff for sale because I got page three of Nightwing 82 and it came this week and I love it. You can see it on my Instagram account. 
<laughs> Follow me on Instagram. That is a while pretty cool. It, so, yeah, that is a pretty cool uh, dude. I, artwork yeah, right there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it and get it framed. Uh, maybe this weekend. So, alrighty. Well, on that note, any last any last words? What do you want on your tombstone? Smallville or Smallville, Superman and Lois, fifty-two weeks out of the, fifty-two episodes a year. <laughs> no, don't you remember that commercial? What do you want on your tombstone? Cheese and yeah. pepperoni. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I remember those. I think Soups and Lolo fifty-two weeks a year would be overkill. Um, yeah. Okay, forty. There you go. Um, um, well, I don't know, man. That's having to watch forty episodes of a show. I like the 15 episodes. I just want to watch them all at once. Not well, like at if once, you're, but I'd like to watch them in yeah. consecutive weeks. Yeah. That's that's that would sate me right there. Yeah. Cool. So all right. We will talk to you all next week. Um keep an eye on YouTube. I think are you gonna do your uh your thing this week now that we're all back home and up and running? Yes, there might be. Yeah, I, that's my plan. All right, and I plan to on um like Tuesday-ish, uh, put out a review of the first three episodes of Titans. Ugh. It's crap. <laughs> it's not crap. <laughs> it's not crap. It's not. Uh, anyway. All right. On that note, we will talk to you all next week. See ya. PFS Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page patreon.com slash infamous podcast we have some great rewards for our patrons are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear music for this podcast is provided by michael henry from meetmichaelhenry.com so whenever you're listening to us have a great day night evening weekend whenever it is and we'll see you next time thanks for listening <laughs>